Uh, how many of you love technology when it works? It is the most amazing thing. And how many of you have almost lost your Christianity when it doesn't work? Yeah, come on. It's okay to be uh, honest in church. You can say that. There's. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, and your kids are like, Dad said what? I didn't know you knew those words, Dad. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, this is great. So we did have a wedding yesterday. So there's the arch that they stood under. It was pretty amazing. It was beautiful in the room. Garrett and Andrea got married yesterday. It was fantastic. Jesus was present. He was honored. They were in love. It was so apparent and obvious from their faces. And it was just a wonderful time. So we're just praying God's blessings upon them as they start their new life together. They left early, early, early this morning, which for me is any time before 9 a.m., Uh, They left super early this morning for their honeymoon, so we're just praying a blessing on them and believing that God is going to do amazing things through their union. Uh, And it it was funny, it struck me, we started a series last week called Hang On and Let Go because we're talking about how to handle life's difficulties, which are obviously more difficult than your computer dying in front of everybody. There are very real things that we go through in life, but I thought how interesting it was that we're going to continue talking about the difficulties of life when we just celebrated a wedding and we're having a, a... time of joy and excitement. All right, here's the other exciting part. Where do you plug something like this in when you're talking that reaches to your, to your podium? Every, everybody's, everybody's got an opinion right now. It's... All right. Ta-da. Jonathan's on it. He's going to help me. Pay no attention to this man off to the side while I'm talking here. Um, so we started talking about the difficulties of life and what it throws at us. Is, am I still ringing a little bit? Everybody's not, not at me if you hear extra on my voice. And that was not... There you go. Thank you, Reese. Um, we started talking about the difficulties of life and how to get through them because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now that people don't know how to deal with it. They're going through difficulties and they're going under. Does anybody know anybody that's going under right now? And they need to know that there's hope for them, that there's a way to get through things. And there's so many situations that we need to be ones that carry an answer. There's some, there should be something about our lives that we figure out a way to get through what we're facing so that we can pass it on to others. And I, the punchline that we gave away last week, the answer to it all, hang on, let go, is hang on tightly to God and let go of the outcomes. How many of you have ever tried to control outcomes in a situation? How'd that work out for you? It doesn't usually go that well, but when we hang on to God and we leave the outcomes up to him, what's amazing is we usually get better than what would have happened if we tried to control everything ourselves because he has good in his heart towards us. So we're going to hang on tightly to God, let go of the outcomes. And uh, have you ever tried, this this question hit me this week as we're getting ready for this uh, message today, have you ever tried to just ignore difficult circumstances? Like right now, I'm trying not to think about Jonathan behind me at all. Just I'm ignoring it. Have you ever tried to ignore a difficult circumstance? Maybe your, your battery light on your computer or your phone was flashing like it's about to die and you did nothing with it. Um, thank you, Jonathan. If, if you would like to learn how to volunteer to do that in church, you can see Jonathan and he'll hook you up. We, he did that without even any training this morning. Isn't that amazing? He's just um, Maybe we've ignored stuff. Anybody ever have a funny sound in your car that you're like, oh, I'm sure that'll just go away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody get a letter from the IRS and you're like, oh, we don't even need to open that. 
Oh, wait, maybe that one hit a little too close to home for some of us. Uh, maybe you got some nagging symptom in your body that you're like, I'm sure that'll clear up and I'm just not going to deal with it ever. Have we ever done that? You've, you've sensed a change in a relationship and you didn't ask anybody, why is it awkward or tense or different? Have we ever just ignored situations that are difficult, that are going on in our lives or circumstances? And uh, I thought this week that denial is a very real thing. And everybody in the room say, no, it's not. Because then that makes it funny and it's a dad joke. Come on. Denial is a real thing. Thank you. On the, on the front row, I got some answers. No, it's not. Uh, denial is a very real thing. Here's, if you remember uh, Calvin and Hobbes, he says, I'm not in denial. I'm just very selective about the reality I accept. But it is a real thing. We ignore problems and difficulties and situations in our lives. We say things like, oh, it's not really that bad, or it doesn't hurt too much. I can live with it, or oh, I've, I've got this. Anybody ever say that? Like, I've got this. Don't worry about it. It's, or it's, how do I say this? We dress it up in Christian speak, and we say, I just don't want to make a negative confession. Do you ever ask anybody, especially in Christian circles, like, how are you feeling? And they've got like snot running down their nose and they've got bags under their eyes and they're like, I'm healed and blessed. Thank you, Jesus. It's like, no, you're sick. You got it. You got something going on. You need to go to bed. You need to take some medicine, whatever it is. We do that. We ignore things in our lives at our peril. And uh, I had a pastor friend one time. He told me that uh, after he'd been pastoring probably 25, 30 years, he said he sat down. He felt like God wanted him to make a list of every difficult circumstance he'd ever had to deal with as a pastor in a church environment. And so he got out this legal pad and he just started writing. And he was, it was pages and pages of issues that he had to address over the course of three decades of pastoring. And he said, when he looked at the list, he was wondering, God, why are you wanting me to write these down? What are you trying to teach me? And he says, when he looked at the list of all the difficult circumstances he'd ever pastored through, he said, the only ones on the list that he regretted were the ones that he never addressed. He said every, every other time, no matter how hard it was to have a conversation or how difficult a circumstance it was to walk through, if I addressed it and we hit it head on, the outcome ended up great. God showed up, he took care of it, but the ones that didn't work out are the ones that I ignored and never did anything about. And I thought, man, there is a life lesson in there for all of us. And uh, I saw this quote from Richard Batch. He said, avoid problems and you'll never be the one that overcomes them. And I thought, Jesus, you're speaking something to us. And come on, we said it last week. Being a person of faith doesn't mean that situations get easy to walk through. How many of you know that that would fill up this room pretty fast if, hey, as soon as you become a Christian, life gets easy? Man, that would be something to sell. But how many of you have found from experience it doesn't always work that way? Even followers of Jesus, we have difficult circumstances we encounter, and they're not always easy to walk through, but we know someone who's faithful to walk through them with us. That's what keeps us going. That's what sets us apart from the world. That's what being a Christian is all about. I'm not, <laughs> oh, I'm not interested in converting anybody to Christianity. I'm interested in them meeting Jesus. Do you see the difference there? If, if we say, hey, I've got this set of rules and regulations you can follow, it's like, uh, what, what's the catch there? But if you say, there's this person who will never leave you or forsake you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is powerful. We sang about it this morning. How many of you know that's something to be in a relationship with? There's something about that that's more than just a religion. It's if we introduce people to Jesus 
and tell them he'll be with them always. And uh, I want to start today by reading a verse that really is God's promise to us through every trial and every circumstance. Uh, He spoke it as a promise to the nation of Israel, but it really was a prophetic uh, voice, an aspect of his promise to us of what he was going to do through Jesus on the cross. Isaiah 43, starting at verse 1, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. He starts that verse with, do not be afraid. How many of you have ever experienced that sometimes the fear of the circumstances we're going through is actually worse than the circumstance itself? That's, that's part of the lie of the devil. If he can get you to stay in fear where you never actually take a step towards getting out of the circumstance, you end up in a worse situation than if you would have just addressed it. And then he says, do not fear. Hundreds of times in the Bible, it says, do not fear. Or some version of don't be afraid, fear not. It's the most common command that you will find in Scripture. Why do you think that is? Because we're afraid a lot. That wasn't a trick question. Zach got it on the first try. Because as human beings, we're prone to that. There's something inbred in us that says, man, I'm worried about what's going to happen. I'm afraid of that circumstance. And over and over again in Scripture, God shows up and says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. And he says, "Uh, don't be afraid. And then he says after that, I have called you by name. Take a minute where you're sitting right there. Just say your own name out loud. Did anybody have trouble with that? Did, you, did your neighbor forget? Let's, let's do it one more time. Just say, say your own name out loud. Just like that, your name has passed across God's lips. He's called you by name. Think about what a personal and intimate God that we serve. There's, there's other religions in the world that they're groveling. They're trying to think, oh, what, is, what does God want from us? What's he going to do? And we serve a God who literally called us by name. I don't know how many friends you have, how many, whether they're real or on the Internet. I don't know how many friends you have. But we only have a limited number of people that actually know us. And that call us by name. Maybe you've got something, maybe you've even got a nickname or something more intimate than the name you, that's on your birth certificate. There's not many people, if you, if you look at it as a ratio of 8 billion people on the planet, how many people actually know me? And the God of the universe that made everything and controls everything knows us by name and has called us. We just had a wedding yesterday. Two people called each other by name and said, You are mine. And God did that for us. He said, he called us by name and said, you are mine. I've set you apart. You're in relationship with me and I know you. And he's, he wants us to know that, to have that deep down as a core, as a foundation of who we are, because this verse tells us there's going to be some trying times that we walk through. If you read the situations and the circumstances in that verse, he says, when you're going through deep waters, anybody ever had the feeling of I'm in over my head? Anybody have that feeling at least daily? Like, what, how did I get here? What am I doing? I'm in over my head. I don't know how to do these circumstances. And when I'm in over my head, sometimes you end up in, this verse says, a river of difficulty. Man, I can't even stand where I am. The water's so deep. And I don't know how to swim. 
Come on, that's the feeling of this verse. I am being swept along by life. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't swim. I'm getting over, overwhelmed. And God's guarantee in that moment is you will not drown. Do you ever think about, God, I wish your promise was I wasn't going to get wet? I'd, I'd much prefer that sometimes. But he says, in the river, when you're being swept along, when you're in over your head, you're not going to drown because I've called you by name in your mind. The next circumstances in that verse, the fire of oppression and flames. How many of you just think that doesn't sound pleasant? At least two people. How many of you love fire and flames and oppression? Like, maybe I'm asking the wrong questions this morning. Come on, he talks about fire and flames and oppression, and I think that doesn't sound good at all. I don't know about you, but I was, I was, I was baking last week. <laughs> That's pretty exciting. I was baking some cookies, and I touched the tray with my knuckle it like missed it with the pot holder and i grabbed the tray out of the oven and hit my knuckle on it. it there wasn't even a real flame there it was just hot and i said this is pretty miserable so if that was that miserable come on i'm sounding like a whiny baby right now in front of everybody in a room full of people at church Sounding like a whiny baby's fine, though, when your finger's on fire and you're running it under the cold water and you're putting ice on it. And that was just taking a tray out of the oven. I can't imagine the fires of oppression and the flames. Like, like think about Daniel in the fiery furnace. We don't, there's no nation on, around that burns people alive anymore as a punishment. But I think that one was probably one of the most gruesome ones of all time. And that's what God was invoking with this image. Even when you're going through the fires, I'm going to be right there with you. And we know in Daniel's story with his three friends, he really was right there with them. The king that threw him in the furnace looked in and said, there's somebody else in there with them. That's God's present promise to be with us. His guarantee is you're not going to be consumed. Not that you won't get burned or not that you won't feel the heat sometimes, but that you're not going to be consumed. This situation will not be the end of you. I think that's a, that's a hope we need to carry to the world because there are people that can't see tomorrow. They're like, what I'm going through is so oppressive right now that I don't even know if I want to live. I don't know how tomorrow is going to happen. And we have hope that we can say, you will not be consumed. I think the secret to not being consumed is knowing we are his. Our name is passed over his lips. He knows us. He says, you're mine. And the problem that I think arises in that verse is to know him as faithful. Usually you have to go through some water or some fire. That's, that's not a very attractive message that sells a lot. <laughs> if we avoid every water or fire situation in our lives, we're missing opportunities to know that we are his. If, I don't know. Is anybody else, you, you try to avoid hard circumstances. It's like, hey, I'm not going to do that. If something gets a little bit difficult, we find something else to do. If we avoid every single one of those hard circumstances, we miss opportunities to find out the nature and the character of God to be reminded that we are his. And, there, and come on, there are people in this room that I, I wish you weren't going through what you're going through. I, I wish you could just have a pass and, and move on to something else in life. But in those moments, and I know God doesn't cause the difficulties. He doesn't bring them into our lives on purpose. But he will use every single one of them to reveal something about himself to us and to develop his relationship with us. Think about this with me. How, Unless you've walked through lack in your life, how would you ever have an opportunity to know him as the provider? 
as the one that meets every need that we have. If you've never walked through betrayal, how would you know him as faithful? Come on, there's people in this room, they're walking through sickness right now, and we're believing, God, you're going to show up as the healer and reveal yourself. If you've never experienced sorrow or grief, how would you know him as the comforter and the bringer of joy? Come on, these are real things we're talking about that people are going through, that they need to know God in their lives. If you've never walked through a season of barrenness in your life, how would you know him as the God of the harvest that ends up coming and bringing abundance to us? If you've never experienced death in your life, how can you know him as the resurrection and the life? And I know every single time that we walk through one of those difficult circumstances, we find a little bit more about the character and the nature of God. He reveals himself to us. When I'm going through difficult seasons in my life, one of the questions I have to ask myself is, what's more important to me, that this crisis ends the way that I want it to, or that I come to know God more intimately? I'll ask that question again. Ponder this with me. What's more important when we're walking through a difficult circumstance? Is it more important that things resolve the way I want them to, or that I come to know him deeper and more intimately? That, that should cause us to stop and think. Because I know, I'm, almost, I'm, I'm embarrassed to almost put a percentage on it, so maybe I won't. But most often in my life, I get in a hard circumstance, and I just want it to be over. I, I want, hey, this, I want this to go away. I want it all to resolve the way I want it to. And God's up there thinking, man, you're missing an opportunity to know me deeper, to find out something about my character. And uh, last week, we talked about one of the ways that we hang on to God is by having friends to encourage us. I'm going to tell you this week that one of the ways we hang on to God is by developing an intimate relationship with Jesus. And that's that's hard to think about sometimes when you're in the middle of a circumstance that you're just thinking, this is crushing me, I want it to be over, and God's saying, hey, I want you to know me. Think about that word, intimacy. That's, that's something we don't talk a lot about sometimes in church, but intimacy really just means seeing and being seen, knowing someone and being known. There's something about, there's no masks. I'm, I'm standing as who I am and getting to know someone. That's what intimacy is. And as Christians, we really have a relationship with Jesus that he wants to know and be known. He wants to, be see, he wants to see us and be seen by us. And sometimes I think we... Sometimes I've done this in my life, and, and I, I think it's a pretty common thing in some of our walks with Jesus, but sometimes we treat our relationship with Jesus like he's a house guest. Jesus, I, I opened the front door. You can come in and stay in the living room. Take your shoes off, but sit right there on the couch. Don't go back in the other rooms because I haven't cleaned. Anybody else ever treat their relationship with Jesus or, or a season? I'm not saying we do it all the time consistently, but there's been seasons in our lives where it's like, Jesus, I don't want you to see all that other stuff. You just stay right here where I can manage you. I'll, maybe you like a latte, Jesus. I'll, I'll make you something and bring it to you on the couch. But being intimate with him means that Hey, he really is the creator and Lord of it all. He, he actually owns the house. He's not just the house guest there. He's the one that wanted to come and be with us at all times. When we say we want to be intimate with Jesus, that means we can talk to Jesus about everything. And I, I don't know where you are in your walk with Jesus or even your walk in relationship with people, but I would hope you have at least one safe place 
where you can talk about stuff that's real in your life, where you don't have to hide, you don't have to pretend, you don't have to put on, you don't have to come up with excuses why that happened, but you can be real about this is what's going on in me right now. And even if you don't have a person with flesh and blood on them that you do that with, you can do that with Jesus. And, and I, it's hard for the world to comprehend because they're like, who are you talking to? Anybody ever get that from somebody? You're praying or you're, saying, you're talking about your relationship with Jesus and they're like, what are you saying? There's nobody there. He's real and he's with us and he never leaves us. And you can talk. He wants that conversation for us to talk with him about everything that's going on in our lives. Come on, our struggles, our temptations, our hopes and our dreams, our doubts, our frustrations, our pain, our anger. He wants to hear it all. He is a friend who won't break up with you. Come on, he won't disown you. He won't stab you in the back. He won't go, you did what this week? And shut you out of his life. Come on, Jesus is the only one that's big enough to hear all of that stuff. And he still embraces us and walks right through that fire with us. (laughs) He knows the stuff anyway. It's like, why do, we, why do we do that with Jesus when we're praying? It's like we think there's stuff he doesn't know. Like, I'm not going to talk about this with him. He, he sees it all anyway, but he wants to hear us express it to him. And I was thinking, even as Garrett and Andrea were getting married yesterday and starting their life together, uh, Bill and Joanna were celebrating their 50th anniversary yesterday. Isn't that amazing? And I pondered that, and I thought, I think maybe Bill and Joanna have had a few conversations over the last 50 years. Anybody think they've talked about some stuff? Maybe, yeah, we, that's, that is a word. My dad used to say it, and we actually use that in our house. They have intense fellowship. Come on. Were all of the conversations just happy, easy? We only talked about the fun stuff in life. As a married couple for 50 years, you've had it out. You've gone face-to-face, toe-to-toe. You've experienced the mountaintops, and you've rejoiced together, and you've walked through some valleys that are just like, oh. Pam, Pam always says, jokingly, Pam says this jokingly, so don't repeat this and say, like, don't look at her funny after church. She's back with the kids today. Pam always says divorce is not an option. Murder, maybe, but not to... <laughs> like, come on, if, 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 and if you're single in this room, just pray, lay that foundation right now. It's, it's, it's wonderful. But if you've been married any length of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've talked about everything, good, bad, and ugly. And if there's only one type of season that you've ever talked to God, maybe we need to expand our thinking about what those conversations look like. And, and this could be either way. If the only time I've ever talked to God is when I'm in trouble, like, oh, Jesus, get me out of this. How many of you know people like that? Like, that's the only time God's even on their radar is things got tough right now. And so, Jesus, if you get me out of this, I'll do blank, fill in the blank. Yeah. Those kind of prayers. I think he hears those prayers also. But if that's the only time you're praying, you've missed out on a whole experience of the relationship. And if the only time you ever talk to God is when things are going great, Oh, Jesus, you're so wonderful. Thank you for all the blessings you poured out in my life. Then we're also missing out on something. He wants to hear it all. Jesus can be trusted with hearing everything from us. 
And I think we are designed to need to pour out our hearts to him. I think there's something in the human condition and experience that we are wired to. I need somebody to unload everything with. And Jesus can be that for us. And especially through difficult seasons. Uh, When I'm talking about pour out your heart, I'm not talking about just silent meditative prayers. Come on. I'm talking about sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes there's tears and snot involved. I'm talking about speaking it out loud. How many of you... I'm just... Can I, I'm just using Bill and Joanna for one more picture here. Can you picture if there's something like that they're butting heads about and, and Bill's just like, well, she should just know. She knows how I feel. I'm, I'm thinking on the inside about it and I'm not going to say anything, but she should just know. Come on. There's something about opening your mouth and saying it out loud. And I don't know why. But I think God wants that from us, that there's something about opening our mouth and hearing it come out and saying it out loud. Here's a verse in Psalm 18, 6. It says, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help, and he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Uh, The word distress there in the Hebrew literally means a tight spot. Like, oh, we're in a tight spot. Um, I'm, I'm just picturing George Clooney and over oh, brother Arthur. We're in a tight spot. Nobody else has seen that one. All right. We all get in the tight spot, though. It's a distress. It's a moment of I need to do something about this. And when it says he cried out to the Lord, it literally implies that he vocalized it. He said something out loud. He didn't just go into his closet and pray silently and say, Oh, God, in my head I'm saying I'm crying out to you. He got on his face before God. He began to to weep sometimes. He began to shout sometimes. He let God know for everybody else to hear sometimes what was in his heart. And I know that he's always with us and he knows what's going on. He sees what's going inside with us. But I believe there's something unique that happens when we open our mouths and we vocalize what's happening in our hearts to him. It's like faith being released, like doors being opened for him to come into the rest of the house. Let's him out of the living room when we begin to speak out loud and declare what's going on in our lives. And uh, I think because of the work of Jesus, our our position in prayer has changed. I mean, I mean, before the cross, people were praying from earth into heaven, and we've been seated in heavenly places right now. I think our position has changed, but not our need for it. I think there's still something about prayer and, and opening our mouths and letting God know and declaring what's happening in our lives. Uh, here's in a verse from the New Testament in James chapter 5, verse 13. It says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. I feel like sometimes I need to get stickers with that verse and put it everywhere that I go. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. That's, that's pretty simple advice, isn't it? Do you ever get mad at a friend for telling you that advice? <laughs> you're, you're telling them all the hard stuff that's going on in your life, and they're like, you should pray. And you're mad at them, and then it's like, oh, wait, that's, the Bible says that too. Let's talk about a simple recipe for when we're in hardship. And, and there are times... Now, this one you can ask Pam Pam about. We'll be going through something really difficult, or somebody will call us and say, this is what's happening in our lives, or whatever it is, it's a tight spot. And we're going through it, and Pam will look at me and say, did you pray about it? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Or or I'm trying in that moment, I'm like, hold on a second. 
Lord, help. Yes, I prayed about it, Pam. You would think as Christians, and I'm not just singling myself out, but I would think sometimes as, you know, Pam will say, you know, good job, Pastor Chris, for remembering to pray. You would think as Christians that would be our go-to thing, that we would remember, oh, God is on our side, and all I have to do in this difficult circumstance is start to pray to see his presence come and to see him come and do what he can only do in our lives. But we forget it sometimes. And James is so nice to us that he says, are any of you going through hardships? You should pray. And I'm, I'm talking about saying it out loud ourselves. And I'm, I'm not discounting. This is not saying don't get others to pray with you. Come on, there is power in prayers of agreement and getting people to stand with you. But it starts with us. When I get in a tight spot is my first response. I'm going to pray. I'm going to open my mouth and tell God what's going on. That verse, James didn't say, hey, are any of you suffering hardships? You should complain to others. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should figure out some good options. Come on. Are you, are you suffering hardships? You should pretend to be happy. He says you should pray. That really is get on our own, alone with God, and begin to let our mouth open and tell him what's happening in our lives. We can have real conversations with him. It looks different for everybody. When you have that time with God, you may want to get your pen and paper out and and literally write down what he says back to you. Or you may pray and, and you might feel better just sitting in his presence. Like I'm not, I'm not, forget pen and paper. I just need him to be here with me right now. It's going to look different for everybody. You, you can be in that moment and you can ask him for something. But you may want to start by just telling him some things. This is what's going on in my life right now. And I need you to be with me. I need to know that you're with me. Uh, this is the last quote. I'll end with this this morning. Uh, Corey Ten Boom. She was a Holocaust survivor, famously wrote about her experiences in Nazi Germany. And she said, the wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world of not being able to do something and you enter God's realm where everything is possible. I think there's so many times we're going through hardships and difficulties and we, re- we need to remember we are citizens of a different place. We are people of a kingdom that is not of this world. There is a realm of heaven that we live in that God's economy has no impossibilities in it. And that, that leads me to a very simple action item for everybody this week. If you've never done this before, this is the action item. Pray out loud this week. Simple. How many of you think you could do that at least one day this week? All right, I got 80% of the hands, so that's, we're going to call that good enough for today. Come on, I don't know when your regular time of prayer is. Maybe you need to set a reminder on your phone. I'm not too proud to admit that every day at 5 o'clock, my phone goes off and it says, call your mom. I call you anyway because I want to, mom. She's watching this morning. Maybe it needs to be that simple of, I'm going to get out my phone before I leave this place and put a reminder and say, pray out loud right now. Whatever time, whatever day that needs to be for you. I don't know what it looks like, but let's do that this week and see and expect God's presence to be in our lives and for him to come and remind us, I'm with you. I've said your name. You're mine. No matter what you're going through, I'm going to walk with you and it's not going to consume you. And then... We, we started out the, the series last week by saying we need that in our lives so that we can give it away because other people need to know that too. And I, I think it's really hard to give away something that we've never experienced or owned in our own lives.
So let's go ahead and stand. Thank you, Lord. Uh, God, I just ask right now that you would release any anxiety, any worry, any embarrassment off of people in this room about praying out loud. Lord, whether it's around other people or whether it's in our closet at home with you, I thank you that you are real and that we can have a conversation with you, just like we're talking to the person sitting next to us, that you are that real. And so, Lord, I ask that as as we take time this week to pour out what's going on in our heart, I thank you that you, you come in a tangible way and remind us that you're with us that you've never left us for a moment, that no matter what hardship we're walking through, you're right there with us, and it's not the end. Hmm. God, I also ask that you would change our perspective. Let us see things from an eternal point of view, that we would know that there really is no end with you. Thank you, God, that your name is powerful that there are no impossibilities where you are concerned. And I thank you that as we pour out our hearts to you, you're revealing yourself. You're shaping and molding your very character and nature inside of us. And God, as you do those things in us, I thank you. Let us be good stewards to give it away. Just like you commanded in Scripture, Lord Jesus, what we've freely received, that we should freely give it. So Lord, I ask that you would remind us the comfort, the peace, the joy, the the reminders that you're with us. Whatever we've received from you, let us give it away to others also. And if if you're here in this room this morning or you're watching online and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, you don't know that he's someone that will be with you through every circumstance, I'm just going to tell you this is a moment in time where you could do that this is a great day to call on his name to say jesus i want to know you that way i want to start a relationship with you and it really is simple as saying lord i recognize that i can't produce salvation in my own strength lord jesus what you did on the cross was for me that you came, you walked a sinless life on this earth, that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and you rose again so that I could know you. If you do that for the first time, I'd, I'd encourage you, come tell somebody about it. Come see us after service or send us a note if you're watching online. But it is one of the greatest adventures that you could ever start in your life to walk with God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place today. Thank you for your goodness to us. God, I ask that even as as we walk out of this place, we would walk knowing that we carry your life out into the world. Lord, the hope, the comfort, the peace, whatever it is that you've given to us, even if it's just reminders that I'm with you, let us be carriers of that out into the world. Let us be proclaimers of good news that you are alive, that you are on your throne, that you see our lives and you know us. We just give you the glory and the honor now. We worship you. We ask that your peace would be upon us even as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.